Blog Talk Radio. Hello, this is Gigabit Nation, Broadband Talk Radio. I'm your host, Craig Fellows, and I want to thank you for taking time to be with us today as we provide useful information and insights to help public, private, and nonprofit organizations get more, better broadband everywhere it needs to be. I am back in California after a wonderful week in Chattanooga, and uh, last week, we focused on uh, 3D printing as a uh, a broadband application that people should be paying attention to, even if they're just in the planning stages of their broadband networks. And uh, this week, I wanted to take a look at cloud computing, because there's a lot written about cloud computing, there's a lot going on with cloud computing, but I'm not sure there's a full understanding of where the intersect between having an adequate broadband network and the ability to be able to um, uh, deliver broadband services uh, as a way to contribute to the financial sustainability of the network infrastructure. And so today I am very happy to have uh, Bernie Arneson as a uh, guest today. He is the publisher and editor of Telecompetitor, and he is one of those people who keeps his finger on the pulse of what's going on, uh, particularly you know developments that are important important to the broadband ecosystem. And so he's done a lot of analysis and commentary in this space. Bernie, welcome to the show, and thank you for being on today. Yeah, thank you, Craig. Really appreciate the opportunity to uh, take some time out today and talk about this this important issue and one that. Uh, kind of near and dear to my heart and uh, always enjoy talking about these things and and hopefully uh, sharing some some, uh, wisdom and insight around, you know, issues that are important to broadband carriers. Excellent. And and by that meaning those who are building and uh, operating and managing broadband services, because we do have a range of uh, folks in the audience from, you know, utility people to local government to various other entities that are driving broadband both as um, community-owned networks and uh, public-private partnerships. And then there are those, the traditional carriers as well that make up this universe of folks who are building broadband networks. Um, let's, oh, actually, you have, a, you have a, uh, a conference coming up soon uh, that actually caught my attention because you're you're spending a fair amount of time uh, in in this conference talking about cloud computing and some other issues relative to broadband. What, what's the what's the nature of this this conference? Yeah, great. Thanks for uh, thanks for giving me the opportunity to talk about it. So, uh, Broadband Vision is um, a a conference and expo that focuses. Uh, that first of all targets that audience that you outlined there in the beginning of the talk, and that is, you know, the broadband carrier space uh, has become uh, a very diverse space of service providers and carriers. Uh, we used to talk about it as, as you know, the traditional carriers of telephone companies and cable companies and and some. Uh, you know, maybe some wireless internet service providers, but uh, it really has uh, broadened uh, beyond that to include, as you mentioned, you know, municipals and uh, electric companies, utility companies, uh, even entrepreneurs who are just building their own networks to serve, you know, communities that uh, they feel need access to, to, to broadband. So there is such a diverse group of companies and interests that are now in the, the broadband space and, and broadband vision, uh, the, the show, is really designed to be a place where all of those different interests could come together and talk about what is really, at the end of the day, uh, if you're in the business of offering broadband, probably your most important issue, and that is how do you monetize that investment uh, Building broadband networks is not an inexpensive proposition, as as you well know. Uh, it uh, requires it's a very very capital intensive uh, business, and 
you know, figuring out how to best build a, a, a you know, an attractive return on that investment is, is very important. And how do you how do you monetize that network? And that's the focus of Broadband Vision, the, the conference, is to look at various aspects and various ways of uh, various strategies, if you will, and best practices of monetizing uh, broadband networks. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, the idea is to bring this diverse group together because I think in some ways uh, these companies do compete with each other, but in other ways, uh, you know, there, there are things that we can learn from each other in kind of a co-opetition type of uh, approach because um, uh, everybody's out here trying to figure this out, and we all know their strengths and numbers. And if we can, uh, you know, uh, share best practices and, and share strategies that uh, you know that makes sense, uh, I think we can all, you know, we can all benefit from that as as both collect both individually as carriers, but also collectively as an industry. It's kind of that, you know, that rising tide lifts all boats type of uh, approach. Mm -hmm. So, well, I, I wish you best of luck with the uh, conference. This is your first year doing this, and, um, you know, it sounds like you've got a good mix of topics. And I took a look at your, your website, and it looks like you have a good um, uh, group of individuals that will be part of the delivery of, of that content. So, um, you know, more, more power to you, and hope that that works out very well. Um, let's talk about the, the issue of, cloud computing, I have a vision of cloud computing that's basically hosted applications and services. Are we talking the same thing, you know, basically by a different name, or what specifically is cloud computing? Yeah, so the answer would be yes and no. I think that um, in some ways this is a repeat of where computing came from, where, you know, when computers first came on the scene, what, 50 years ago or whatever it is, uh, they were uh, dumb terminals connected to mainframes, and, and all of the kind of computing power happened in the mainframe, and, and the dumb terminal was just a, you know, a method to, to uh, connect to that mainframe. In some ways, we're, we're building that all over again, where the, the quote-unquote cloud, you know, the equivalent the uh, kind of metaphorical equivalent, equivalent, if you will, is is a mainframe in the in the network, and so the computing power is shifting to inside the network, uh, and you have all of these end devices kind of hanging off the network, be it uh, you know a traditional PC, a laptop, a tablet, a smartphone, uh, and any range of devices that interact with that. Uh, with that computing power within the network to uh, to uh, reach applications and, and do the things that people want to do with these devices. Uh, so less and less of the computing is done on the device itself. Uh, it's done within the network and accessed via the device. So mm -hmm. that is the kind of the cloud computing, you know, at a very high level, obviously, uh, description. Uh, so that's the that's one portion of it. Now the other portion of it is the idea of hosting applications and services uh, within "quote unquote" the cloud. Uh, and so that's kind of the the retail part of this, if you will, uh, how carriers can actually get involved, and that is offering services and applications and features to their customers. Uh, in, in the hopes of obviously generating revenue and, and generating profit margin, uh, they don't necessarily have to be the company that is providing the cloud computing. They are in effect a middleman, if you are, if you will, between some of those cloud computing efforts and uh, the ability to layer applications across. Uh, that that cloud infrastructure that can be offered to uh, to end customers. Mm -hmm. So, so there's, there's so you're saying there's there's two parts or, or two ways to look at this. One is a I don't know the organizational structure of computing going from everything being on the desktop and a local server to the days of yore when 
you know, the, at best what sat on the desktop was a dumb terminal and all the computing took place somewhere either many yards away or miles away, I guess, back in, you know, depending on how you were structured. So that's sort of a, you know, structurally a definition of, of cloud computing. But then also there is the providing services that are in essence hosted, and that's the, the monetary aspect of, you know, the business of cloud computing. Yeah, so one way to look at it is there's kind of the infrastructure side of cloud computing, and that's where you see, you know, large companies like uh, Amazon and Google and IBM and, you know, kind of these blue chip, blue chip technology companies who have built up this infrastructure of, of cloud computing. Um, and, you know, in, in, the, in today's world, which is, you know, obviously a little different than, than the comparison we're making to kind of the mainframe days, in today's world, it is truly a global phenomenon. So that infrastructure can be located, you know, literally anywhere on the globe and can be accessed anywhere on the globe as well, as long as that uh, that that device has a, a form of Internet access. Uh, and so that's the infrastructure piece of it, and there are companies who make their business out of building and providing that infrastructure. Mm -hmm. uh, now, what you do, what... I think is probably more appropriate for uh, the listeners of this show. Most of them, if not all of them, are not in the business of building that infrastructure and offering that infrastructure. Those are, you know, much larger enterprise companies. Uh, the folks that are on, uh, you know, generally listen to your show are going to be more in the application as a, as a service. You hear these terms, infrastructure as a service, software as a service, uh, application as a service, uh, they're going to be more in that realm where they are, you know, tapping the the uh, capabilities of those infrastructure companies to provide a service to their customers. So, in effect, acting as a middleman in between the infrastructure and the customer to offer services. Uh, and so this is, uh, you know, it's a very kind of distributed model, if you will, uh, when you talk about cloud, uh, when I said when I was uh, discussing you know, kind of the infrastructure play of, of Amazon and Google and the like, uh, you know that is you know huge investment uh, and uh, you know obviously targeting a much bigger scale uh, on a you know literally on a global scale, uh, some smaller. Uh, service providers can, in effect, kind of build their own mini cloud, if you will, kind of within their own realm of, of their territory and offer hosted services and hosted applications uh, that they can then make available to their customers. In some instances, uh, that model I refer to would actually use uh, a, a service like Amazon's AWS service to provide their their cloud computing capability, or they may, uh, service providers may, uh, you know, build their own little mini infrastructure to provide those services as well. So it's kind of a very wide pendulum uh, when you, you know, cloud computing is such a, such a big issue, it's hard to, you know, narrow it down to a, a very specific thing. There's, there's so many different moving pieces, so many different players uh, and the idea that we're talking about today is how do broadband carriers kind of tap the the uh, the trend of the power that cloud brings into to, uh, monetizing their network to to offer applications and services. Okay, so I want to start with the um, <clears throat> I want to start with the monetization part, and then we'll come back and talk about the the infrastructure part. So um, if I'm, you know, consulting with a, a, a community and they're getting all revved up to move this broadband project forward, there's a couple of things that go on. One is a, a defining of needs of their various constituents and then determining how to build a network to meet that need. I would, given, you know, how we're talking about cloud computing, 
insist that the um, project team, their various constituents, define a cloud computing needs or, or several cloud computing needs so that when they are talking about the eventual, you know, what they want the network to look like, they will have identified some very specific needs, right, in terms of, you know, what are the needs of the business community, what are the needs of the, you know, university community if they have one that's nearby. But you know, the bottom line in that exercise is that all of those needs I identify are potential sales of services for when the network is finally live. Is that a correct yeah. approach to, to the to opportunity, I guess? Uh, absolutely. I think if, if I hear you right, we're talking about doing some market assessment and trying to ascertain the needs of uh, would-be customers. Uh, what you know, what what are their uh, needs and demands in terms of services and features and applications, and getting a good assessment of what those are, uh, so that you can then build, you know, the proper capabilities and, and the right network attributes to uh, to meet those needs and demands. Yes. Yeah. I think that's I think that's absolutely spot on. So then, given that, what to you are a range of cloud computing services that are likely to be a hit with the various types of um, community constituents. And to make it a little bit easier, I'll break the constituents down into you've got government constituents, business constituents, healthcare-related constituents, and education. So if I look at those four, what kinds of broad uh, cloud computing services might be popular with those respective groups? Yeah, so we're talking about different verticals, and, and I would add that there are there are cloud applications on the consumer side as well that yes, there are, uh, are prob probably worth noting and, and provide an opportunity uh, for for carriers. So uh, let's break that down into uh, in, in a couple of ways. Um, so you identified some key verticals: healthcare, education, government, uh, and what was the what was the last one? Uh, education. Education, healthcare, government. Oh, and business. Sorry. <laughs> it's just general business. Okay. So, you know, this the approach that 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 I think one would want to do is first and foremost there are applications that are going to span all of those verticals um, mm -hmm. things that you know those entities are in need of where cloud type applications or another way to look at it is hosted applications you hear that term a lot hosted applications meaning <clears throat> the applications are hosted in the network uh, and so there are a number that span all of those verticals, things like uh, hosted voice services or hosted PBX services. So that's replacing kind of the traditional phone systems that all of those entities would traditionally they would buy a, a PBX or a key system to provide you know basic voice service and enhanced voice service for for their companies and institutions. And so one of the kind of hottest cloud offer or hosted offer that any carrier should should take a real hard look at is hosted voice is being able to go into those entities and provide basically a replacement service for a, a PDX and that's hosted in in the cloud uh, there are any number of applic other applications that all of those entities need things like uh, storage service, hosted storage, so being able to uh, you know, provide uh, backup and storage and data recovery services. Again, that spans you know all all of those verticals. Uh, you look at things like uh, network security. Uh, that again spans all of these uh, uh, entities. And so there's kind of a you know a range of what I would call low hanging fruit type of applications that any company or institution needs or, or could potentially need, regardless of whatever vertical they're in. Uh, 
Now, you you want to identify those. Then you want to, you know, when you look at each particular vertical, let's take healthcare for example. There's all kinds of uh, applications specific to healthcare, and I'm I'm no expert in in vertical applications across all of these different ones. I know of a few, but uh, I think that obviously some research needs to be done into what types of uh, software, uh, enterprise-level software type of applications any given vertical uses. Uh, healthcare obviously has uh, all kinds of things of like HIPAA, the uh, HIPAA compliance and uh, all kinds of uh, security around records and all kinds of you know applications that involve the delivery of healthcare. Many of those, uh, and not only the delivery of healthcare, but the management of a healthcare operation. Many of those applications uh, are now instead of uh, you know that healthcare institution going out and buying those applications individually and having to you know maintain them and and use them internally, uh, they can be hosted uh, in a cloud environment, saving them the capital expense of having to purchase that application and and operate it, and the operating expense of having to to maintain it. Uh, every vertical has a similar. Uh, circumstance. Education has their own unique applications that are, you know, that are uh, uh, appropriate for for education. And I think, from a broadband carrier's point of view, uh, one of the part of that investigation and part of that assessment is you don't want to bite off more than you can chew. Obviously, you're not going to become an expert in all of these different verticals and all of the applications associated with these verticals. So, you know, I'm very much a fan of, of finding the right partners. And so you may, your company may not be the, uh, the provider of the hosted application or, or the cloud services itself, but you in effect become a partner with somebody who is and resell, you know, that service to your, uh, to your local institutions and, and, and entities. Uh, if, and so there's margin to be made in, in reselling uh, these capabilities because realistically uh, all these carriers, you know, particularly the smaller carriers, which I, I believe is a lot of what your audience is, Craig, uh, smaller carriers, uh, you know, don't have the, the capabilities to build and operate all of this capability themselves, and so partnering becomes uh, hugely important, I believe. Mm -hmm. So, so in, in many respects, in you many are, respects you are um, um, trying to figure out how to work your feedback. I don't know if that's coming through to you or not. Is that coming through me? No, it's just coming from my no, side. And, I, and I'm not exactly no, sure how to sure Hopefully we'll be able to solve that. So fundamentally, we're, we're looking at opportunities to provide partnerships, potentially offer some services maybe independently you know, as, a, as the initial provider, and then expand on those services and opportunities within the community growth. Yeah, you were breaking up a little bit there, so I, I think I heard your question. And uh, um, you know, a, a an approach to take with with this whole hosted and cloud opportunity is to uh, what I would say is is run before I mean walk before you run, and that is um, find the appropriate partners and kind of learn. You know how that business is done, and over time, you can then begin to build your own capabilities and start offering those services uh, yourself. Uh, and you know, obviously, when you do that, you you create better opportunity for for margin. Uh, the less you have to share 
margin with partners, you know, the better from your perspective in terms of, of generating additional profit margin. But I think it's it's important to find initially find partners to work with, you know, get your feet wet, start walking, eventually you'll start jogging and running, and then you can incrementally kind of bring that capability in-house and, and begin to offer those services on your own. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Is the way to and there, there are there are a fair number of of companies out here who business of partnering with service providers to do just what we're you know what we're outlining here and you know there is a there is a point based on you know the size of your company obviously you know companies like Verizon and AT and T and Comcast and you know large conglomerates you know, have the the wherewithal and, and and capital and capability to, to build a lot of this uh, in house and you see them doing that uh, you see them building their own data centers or or what it, what is a more you know appropriate strategy from their perspective is they just go buy a data center provider uh, and and you know, basically buy that capability. Uh, so it, it does come down to, you know, the size of company and, and, you know, obviously smaller carriers, you know, don't have that luxury, can't simply go out and and buy huge uh, data centers and huge capabilities. Uh, that being said, you know, there there's, there is nothing wrong with going that approach. We certainly know of companies who, who uh, you know like to? Uh, they kind of have an independent streak and want to want to take this on their own and 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 uh, you know start building these capabilities internally and it, it really comes down to kind of your own culture and your own uh, you know your own assessment capability. I, I'm by no means of suggesting that you can't do it yourself, uh, but if you find that you aren't comfortable doing it yourself, that shouldn't stop you either, uh, because there are a variety of ways to partner with people and, and and get that capability. Ultimately, you know, your goal is to be able to walk into a, a customer, whoever that is, whether that's the local school system, whether that's the hospital, whether that's a small or medium business, and have a portfolio of products that you can make available to them, uh, whether you are actually delivering that service through your own you know, network or whether you've partnered with somebody else, ultimately you want to have the ability to offer those services and capture as much revenue from those customers as is possible. If you were to recommend some companies that are doing cloud Computing services well, you know, you're getting into the broadband network space. Which which companies would you recommend they take a look at? So you were breaking up on me a little bit again, Craig. Are you? I know you were asking about companies that are. Know, offering these services. Are, were you saying service provider examples, or were you saying yeah, right, exactly. service right. providers right. that they might want to emulate? That you might want to emulate? Yes. Yes. Yeah, so that's one of the advantages for a shameless plug for our upcoming event, Broadband Vision <laughs> Show, uh, yeah. is we will, be, we, we will be showcasing a number of companies that are doing, you know, kind of executing that strategy uh, uh, and, and offering services in, in multiple ways. Uh, but just off the top of my head, uh, obviously there are some, you know, well-known examples. I know that you've, uh, you've covered a lot of these companies uh, who are executing a great, great strategy already. You, you look to some of the leaders in this space like uh, – GPB and and others who are looking at this really holistically and you know we we didn't we didn't really mention you know the whole concept of Internet of Things which is mm-hmm. 
ultimately where cloud computing goes, and that is, you know, the the connection of a range of devices uh, to the internet, uh, and that's where stuff like smart grid comes into play, and and things of that nature. And so, you know, companies like EPP are kind of leading the way there. Uh, mm-hmm. There's there's a, uh, a a company that I'm familiar with in uh, Indian Town, Florida, called ITS Fiber, a small uh, independent. What I should say has a legacy or a history of a small independent telco, but has really kind of transformed themselves into more than that. They've built a data center. They're offering uh, you know services to uh, both their incumbent territory, but they're also going out of market and offering cloud services, and that's uh, ITS Fiber, uh, who will be uh, at the show. Uh, if you look at some of the larger companies, just, just as an example, I think Windstream has done an excellent job of, of, of uh, kind of capturing the cloud and managed services uh, opportunity and really transform their company uh, into that of you know a cloud and managed services company as opposed to a you know a legacy phone company uh, and uh, uh, TDS as well would be one that I think is worth looking at. They are executing a uh, a similar strategy to Windstream, just kind of on a smaller smaller basis. Uh, so there's a few. Now, did you say TDS? Uh, TDS, uh, uh, that's Telephone Data Systems, TDS. Okay. I think they got a number of broad grants grant and are executing on the Facebook They did. Uh, and, you know, the, the stimulus program obviously has ramped up a lot of broadband investment, and so, you know, there are a lot of those carriers out there now who who built out you know some uh, some broadband properties and kind of continue to do that. And I think that looking at you know expanding their uh, their scope into cloud and hosted and managed services, these terms are all kind of somewhat synonymous. You hear cloud, you hear hosted, you hear managed. These are you know somewhat similar, uh, but these carriers who who've invested in in broadband. If they're not already uh, investigating that opportunity, you know, I'd be a strong advocate to start looking at it. Mm-hmm. Well, in terms of a, uh, a build-out strategy, and now we're talking strategy, about the infrastructure, is there, are there recommendations for a community to say, if you're going to build a network, and one of your objectives is to provide cloud computing services, what design issues or capacity issues to build out that you have to take into account? Yeah, good question. And, you know, one of the things that I that we haven't touched on, I, I think I briefly said this, is that don't forget the consumer market because there are a range of cloud services that, that consumers are adopting. Uh, things like uh, hosted storage. Uh, you know, you think of all of the pictures that folks are now taking with smartphones and tablets and all the video they're creating, creating a tremendous storage need. Uh, so that's that's a promising application to provide consumers some type of host of storage uh, and security and you know there's a range of other applications that are on the consumer side uh, and so as you build out your network you know um, it's it's really the age old kind of uh, proposition with with networks is you can never have enough capacity and bandwidth throughput. Uh, becomes important, uh, and both, uh, uh, you know, downstream is obviously important, but when you start talking about cloud, upstream bandwidth becomes equally important. Uh, And so we have to make sure that you've got, you know, a really solid upstream, a network that provides solid upstream bandwidth in addition to to downstream bandwidth, Uh, because there's uh, a lot of, 
you know, symmetrical type of activity going on uh, when you get into cloud services and a lot of uploading of data. Um, latency it becomes a real issue, uh, ensuring that not only do you have you know, adequate capacity and adequate throughput, uh, but you also have, uh, you know, very low latency, uh, particularly when you're getting into uh, things like uh, voice and video. Uh, neither one of those are are real fans of of high latency, so you've got to you've got to make sure you're properly engineered there. Um, access, just having, uh, you know, wide. Uh, access capability, wide area network, and, and by that I mean beyond, think about beyond just having fixed access, but looking at uh, some type of wireless overlay, because uh, when we start talking about the Internet of Things, which is where cloud is headed, you've got devices connected to the, to the network that aren't necessarily uh, uh, you know, it's not convenient for them to be connected to the fixed line aspect of the network. So you want to try to have as much, you know, to the extent you can, wireless access to the network too. Uh, and that means not, I'm not suggesting you become a mobile operator. Uh, what I am suggesting is things like Wi-Fi, uh, some of the emerging technologies like uh, TV white spaces, broadband, uh, and some of the, the newer Wi-Fi-like services that are now coming into play and emerging, I think that uh, broadband carriers need to have both a fixed and wireless uh, strategy to uh, to have you know access everywhere, internet everywhere uh, is going to be important in 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 a cloud environment and in an Internet of Things environment. Mm-hmm. So let's, let me ask a question about this Internet of Things. I mean, it's a term I've been hearing more of lately. How, how do you define that to the average non-techie broadband you know, project member? Yeah, I mean, Internet of Things is, I'm not exactly sure who coined that term, but it is, you know, in real basic terms, what we're saying is the proliferation of devices that now inter not only connect with the Internet, but interact with it. So everything from the, uh, you know, the usual suspects of smartphones and tablets and game systems and, uh, you know, streaming media devices and Blu-ray players and all of these kind of devices that are in the home, uh, think about that, that expanding dramatically to include all kinds of sensors uh, in the home and business, or light sensors, uh, uh, HVAC sensors, uh, you know, electricity around things like smart grid, uh, lights, uh, uh, you know, appliances uh, within the business, you're thinking about you know all kinds of sensors within a business that allows allows that business to, to gain much more insight into what's happening in real time with their business. So you're talking about a very dramatic increase in the number of devices that now connect with the internet, uh, and we're 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 talking in the range of billions upon billions of devices. Uh, now connected to the Internet. Uh, and so as the underlying provider, uh, broadband provider, you know, you think about the fact that you will be uh, the, 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 the conduit for all of those devices. And so that has a lot of implications. One is what I talked about before is trying to expand the reach of your network so that it can interact with these devices. Uh, because obviously the more devices that are on your network, the more demand for bandwidth that drives, the more demand you have for bandwidth, you know, should translate into uh, more revenue and, and, op and, and hopefully more profit margin. So as the underlying provider, you've got to really start thinking through, you know, expanding your scope 
and building a network that can withstand kind of this onslaught of all of this connectivity, all these devices, and everything that that, that then creates in terms of you've got more security issues to deal with because you've got so many, you know, new devices touching the Internet or touching your network, um, and you've got, uh, you know, uh, network management issues. You've got to be able to uh, isolate troubles and isolate problems quickly and, and even predict those problems before they happen uh, because uh, you, when we get into the Internet of Things, networks going down uh, create many more headaches than they will than they have historically. Uh, so, you know, uh, managing that network intelligently is going to become much more important in uh, in the Internet of Things, you know, world that we're heading into. Hmm. So now, is there a way uh, or any recommendations for a way to use a pilot project in which maybe you build out 20, 25% of the network and use the pilot to test your ability to deliver uh, cloud services or address the Internet of Things? Yeah, I, I, certainly. I mean, I think pilot projects uh, make make a lot of sense in many ways, not just for uh, not just for cloud services. Uh, so, I don't know that uh, the introduction of cloud necessitates you know pilots that weren't already going to take place anyway. They just add to the effectiveness of what a pilot could do. So, I, I, I think. You know, pilots and, and trials and the like uh, make a lot of sense in determining demand and determining need and, and determining, you know, what uh, uh, you know what needs to what capability needs to be made available that that could you know be expanded uh, beyond just the pilot phase. So I, I think those make sense. Sure. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Interesting phenomenon. Um, what other developments what other do you development think are happening that will cause, that will I don't know, cause, a great integration of the Internet of Things, cloud computing, or will accelerate the adoption? You know, what are you seeing in the big picture? Yeah, well, the implementation of what I like to call the uh, the smart community uh, is what's yeah. driving the Internet of Things. So, you know, there's the usual things that we hear about all the time, smart grid, for example, uh, uh, the smart home, uh, the smart business, uh, all of those all of those trends are kind of dramatically increasing the uh, onslaught of the Internet of Things, and that's so that that that's a that is a uh, a trend that's already well underway, and one that is only going to accelerate. Um, the one one area where you can see, I think. Uh, you know, an interesting corollary to all of this is is the connected car. You know, the smart car. That's what's coming next, where cars themselves will become uh, a, a device, if you will, that's connected to the internet, independent of the devices within that car. But the car itself uh, becomes a device, and it uh -huh. begins to talk to. Uh, uh, not only does it give the occupants of that car uh, access to the Internet, but the car itself begins to, you know, provide feedback to the manufacturer about, you know, fuel emissions and the, uh, you know, the real-time, you can start getting real-time data associated with how the car is operating that a number of folks are interested in. And so, you know, that's a, that's an application that, kind of really visible, if you will, if you, if you take the connected car and think about the possibility that that creates, you know, that's, that's only one aspect of kind of this smart community that's uh, already uh, well underway 
And like I said, it's only going to begin to accelerate uh, creating this Internet of Things. That's going to be very That's interesting to see how this all plays out. I think part of this discussion addresses the concern that folks have about building these networks, the technology involved with broadband and its service products. These change so quickly, it's hard to, um, you know, get ahead of the curve because you're not sure, you know, when that curve is going to move again. How, how do you yeah. address that as a, uh, you know, a provider of any sort, but particularly as a municipal provider? Well, I'd, I'd like to think if if I had that figured out, I would uh, probably not be talking to you, and I'd be uh, <laughs> I'd be figuring out a way to, to capitalize that on myself. I mean, that's that's an issue we all struggle with. I don't know that there is a an answer to that other than to say, you know, recognize the business you're getting in and the pace at which it moves. And I I would agree with you. I don't think there is. Uh, an instance where you're quote unquote getting ahead of that, I think you're always going to be, you know, tasked with ensuring you're keeping pace with the rate of change and the rate of development that's happening in this business. And that is a concerted effort on your part. And you've got to just kind of recognize that when you're, and you're getting in this business and it is um, a frenetic pace and it's not one for kind of the faint at heart. Uh, it is one that uh, you've got to embrace. Uh, I would say that, uh, you know, folks that I see that are successful aren't necessarily getting ahead of that curve. They're just embracing it, and they they see it as, you know, in some ways it can be a competitive advantage for, for those that are, you know, competing with with other carriers, if if you are able to, uh, uh, you know, keep pace uh, and, and embrace that change, and and have a an organization that's nimble and an organization that's able to kind of stick and move and and not, you know, not. This is not the business for kind of that that cliche of you can't you know turn an aircraft carrier uh, 90 degrees quickly. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you've got to be able to uh, be nimble uh, and, and be able to to you know move with the times. And quite frankly, part of this, um, which is very apropos to your question, is you can't be afraid to fail. Uh, we can't be afraid to uh, try new things, and all of them are not going to work. Uh, and there's going to be failure. Uh, and, you know, the organizations that are successful are going to embrace the fact that there is failure because if you're not failing at something, uh, you're not doing something right, in my opinion. Um, mm-hmm. You're not out there, you're not out there, you know, trying enough and uh, doing enough different things. Uh, this is not a kind of status quo type of environment where it's um, smooth sailing and everything kind of, uh, you know, laid out in front of you, and you can just you know take a take the path of least resistance. Uh, that's just not the business we're in, and we've got to embrace that and, and be willing to, um, you know, be willing to adapt accordingly. You know, that brings up an interesting point. Um, in Chattanooga, I actually asked the group that was there. We were talking about 3D computing, and I asked the question about there is a natural um, aversion to failure that often drives most government entities. Yet all these government entities are putting out these RFPs wanting someone to come in and help them develop a broadband network. And the question Mm -hmm. is really, how do you get governments to move to a position where they can allow both creativity and failure to be part of the mix, because if you look at the a lot of the RFPs that are coming out these days, it's very cookie cutter. They're asking the same questions, they're asking for the same results, and consultants are basically responding in kind 
because mm-hmm. that's the box that these RFPs seem to be creating. But when you talk yeah. about building a network that will support cloud computing and the Internet of Things and 3D printing and all of this innovation, somewhere there has to be in the, in the, in the community's process of you know, recruiting talent that they embrace this concept of failure is not the end of the world. Right. Though I have no idea how you do that exactly, and you know your your perspective would probably be very helpful because you know you you work heavily on the private sector side, you know, whereas I'm dealing a lot with the public sector. Yeah, and I know that's a challenge uh, for these these kind of quasi public sector uh, networks and municipals that are getting into the business and and being able to uh, you know balance. Uh, these issues that we're talking about, like failure and uh, an ability to kind of, you know, move on and, and be nimble and, and stick and move, as I call it, are are somewhat counter to kind of the traditional uh, culture of uh, of those entities. And I know that that is, uh, you know, an issue that's, you know, quite frankly, hard to, uh, it's hard to square up. There's there's no silver bullet answer there in terms of how do they, uh, you know, how do they address that issue other than, you know, leadership obviously is key. Uh, leadership has to take place and leadership has to be open to, uh, you know, kind of these new models and uh these these new new ways of doing business uh and um you know bringing in uh either retraining folks to to be existing people to be uh aware of these things and, and able to uh, to operate in that environment or you know bringing on you know newer or new blood if you will who are uh, uh you know more Kind of grew up in that environment, or in and in are more used to it. Uh, I guess the other thing I would say, as it relates to that, from from the kind of municipal perspective, is is I go back to that partnering issue, uh, and and maybe there are ways to partner with existing entities who, um, you know, have the the right culture, and. Uh, I don't want to say not when I say right. I don't mean there's a wrong culture and a right culture. I just mean have the 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 uh, kind of culture of uh, operating in that type of environment uh, and and finding you know partners to kind of share that risk and uh, offload you know the area where they may have some trouble adapting uh, to to the partner who's already adapted, if you will. Mm-hmm. So there's a there's a strong focus then on looking at partners with a with a number of criteria. You know their financial sustainability. You know you want to make sure they're solid. You want to make sure that you can mm-hmm. align the missions of the partner with the missions of the public entity. But also right. take a look at that entity's ability to adapt and perform. And in some respects, it seems like you would want to partner more with a young, vibrant, uh, experimental-type company. That is successful. You still want them to be financially stable, but, but a company that has a history of risk-taking. And so you partner with them and put a certain amount of trust that they can give you the edge, in essence, through the partnership. They can give you the edge to be able to take advantage of new opportunities. Yeah, precisely. Well, I think that's wow. uh I think that makes a lot of sense and of course that's easier said than done, I know. By a, a long shot. Yeah. <laughs> I mean cuz you have uh, you know, I, I was talking to someone ahead. earlier about the fact that you know when you have uh community interests and it's not just a government driven project, we're trying to drive a community-wide you have all of these pockets of issues and politics and so forth, and you you end up really hurting cats in some respects because mm-hmm. those those entities' interests may not always be pulling in the same direction, 
yet you're trying to create a network infrastructure that has some amount of pulling in the same direction, both within the city or the, you know, the community and also between the community and its partners that it selects. Yeah. No, I, I, uh, I know there are a variety of issues and challenges in, in that environment, and uh, it is not, um, you know, not an easy road to, to hoe, as they call it. Uh, mm-hmm. There is, you know, any number of issues, and you've got, you know, in, in a lot of cases, public money at risk, and that creates another kind of set of requirements. And um, that being said, I mean, there's, I think there are, you know, a good number of, of good examples out there who've worked through these issues and, and seem to have found a way to make it work. So I, I always am a, an advocate and fan of emulation, right? Uh, there's mm-hmm. no shame in, in copying something that works. Uh, and so I think, um, uh, you know, one of the things I, you know, I strive to do in, in my career is uh, is bring folks together to kind of, you know, discover these things amongst themselves and, and talk amongst themselves and, and, you know, build a community, if you will, much like what you do, uh, so that folks can, you know, share these experiences and share these best practices and, uh, there's no shame in emulating somebody who's already got it figured out, you know, and and, and, and copying what they're doing to the extent mm-hmm. you can. There's a lot to be said for that for sure. So we got about three yeah. minutes left. I want to bring us back full circle and talk about the cloud application or cloud services from a marketing perspective. Um, so I'm going to close with a sort of a broad statement is basically the marketing, let's try this a different way, does the marketing of cloud-based services is the main marketing message that this technology of cloud, you know, cloud computing gives entities the ability to tackle new opportunities and challenges faster because they're basically being relieved of having to build a certain amount of technical technology infrastructure part of it. So, you know, the marketing message to uh, the carrier's customers is much of that, and that is being able to quickly introduce services and applications that are, you know, important to their business, often at lower cost uh, and quicker to market than if those organizations or companies try to uh, do those services and applications on their own. So you are saving them money, hopefully, and you are making it easier for them, uh, and you are removing headaches and hassle uh, as a result of that. And so that, when done right, it's a pretty compelling message uh, and one that uh, can, can be successful uh, out, out there in the marketplace. And then as a coda in our last minute, I would say that if that is what you are offering your businesses in the community, that is a very strong economic development reason for advocating uh, cloud computing services because the net bottom line here is that you are making whoever buys these services more competitive, which is in the, in the end – best for the economic development and advancement of your of your community uh, absolutely uh, that's a that's a great point to add that uh, you know at the end of the day you're what you're doing with with cloud services is is making your businesses better you're making the, those businesses more efficient uh, and and in a lot of ways introducing applications that they may not have had the opportunity to you know, to get access to themselves. So you're empowering those businesses to, you know, to do better in their business, and that only strengthens your community as a whole. And with that, we're going to have to wrap. Uh, Bernie, thank you very, very much for being here today. Uh, Thank you to our audience. We'll be back again soon. Have a great day. Thank you.